Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Yekaterina. And welcome to our podcast, The Divine in the Natural World, The Heights Reached to Meet the Gods. Today we'll be discussing the connection felt by ancients, especially the ancient Greeks, between themselves and places of beauty in the natural world. To explore this connection, we'll be considering ancient Greek temples such as the Parthenon, the Temple of Poseidon at Soyunion, and the Temple of Apollo at Delphi. The locations of each of these temples will give us a clue to understanding ancient Greek spirituality and its connection to the natural world. I think it's important that we start with some background. What do you think, Ekaterina? Yes, and thank you for listening to our interpretation on one of the many ways in which nature is represented through mythology and sacred places to explain the ancient Greeks' relationship with the natural world. In this podcast, we will explore how both the natural and architectural elements found in different ancient temples, such as the ones that you have suggested, Ben, which link the Greeks to their gods, and vice versa, how the Greeks' relationship with the supernatural deepens their connection to nature. Many mythological representations involve revelations of heavenly acts or the wrath of the gods. These stories attempt to explain how natural elements came into existence, the importance of nature, and why natural phenomenon or disasters occur through the supernatural beings often imagined in the humanoid form. Most of these gods are essentially just a personified version of a natural element, yet they hold many human qualities that better connect the Greeks to these divine figures. The knowledge and interactions the Greeks had with the nature is depicted through the ideology and power of the gods and is expressed through Greek mythology and architecture. You make great points about the gods, Ekaterina. And just to expand a little bit off that, Greek gods, of which there are hundreds, like you mentioned, were often personifications of natural forces and often inhabited places of natural beauty, whether it be a spring, a cave, a grove, or a mountain with a wide, inspiring view. One such place was the earthly home of the Olympian gods, Mount Olympus, the tallest mountain in Greece. In J. Donald Hughes's book, Environmental Problems of the Greeks and Romans, Hughes states that people of antiquity often felt the presence of the gods in places of natural beauty, especially tall hills or mountains. We see this connection between lofty peaks and spirituality manifested in the Acropolis of ancient Athens and the Parthenon, or Temple dedicated to Athena. Actually, Ben, one of the best examples of the Greeks' belief of natural occurrences through the influence of the supernatural and man's journey to interact with these immortal beings is illustrated in the myth concerning the naming of Athens. This myth is well known throughout antiquity and shows direct interaction with mortals and their gods. There are many versions in various literary sources, such as the Oxford Encyclopedia of Ancient Greece and Rome and Book Three of the Apollodorus, and different depictions displayed through architecture and sculpture seen on the Acropolis. Every city-state was required by the gods to choose a deity to worship, and the first king of Athens sought out to find a patron deity for his prosperous city. Athena and Poseidon both desired to lay claim to this position over the city and were prepared to battle each other to achieve it. Athena, known for her wisdom, suggested that they should hold a contest in which the people would determine who would become their patron. 
Poseidon agreed that the victor of the contest in which whoever presented the city with the best gift would be rewarded to seize claim as patron over the city. Right. So in the midst of a huge crowd, the two gods ascended the Acropolis to present their gifts to the city. Poseidon was the first to do so. Taking his trident, he struck the earth with it. And at the point where he struck, a large spring burst forth, producing what is now known as the Sea of Erechtheus. The people were overjoyed to have this source of water, but as they went closer to taste it, they found to their dismay that the water was salty, just like the seas over which Poseidon ruled. Next came Athena's turn, and she quietly knelt and buried a seed in the ground. This in time grew into an olive tree. The olive became immensely useful to the Athenians and came to be a staple of their culture. As a result, Athena was proclaimed as victor of the contest and patron goddess of Athens. Yes, her gift provided the Athenians with not only olives as food, but also as a source for oil for their lamps, cooking for their food, as well as wood from the olive tree to build their boats and houses. The sea god Poseidon, however, was not at all pleased, and in his fury he flooded the Thuresian plains, a large coastal plain the Athenians occupied in the northwest part of the peninsula known as Attica. In a Roman rendition of the myth, not only did Neptune flood the land with a sea of salt, but went on to curse the city with a water shortage, which still continues today in modern-day Greece. This myth displays the impact the gods have on nature and mankind's need to stay in favor of the gods in order to live without natural disasters inflicted by the gods' fury and instead to be blessed with an abundance of natural resources not only to survive but thrive in the Mediterranean environment. The contest for the city of Athens was later carved into the stone relief of the western pediment in the temple of Athena on the Acropolis. With both of these gods appearing in the center of the composition, the goddess holding her olive tree and Poseidon with his trident. The Parthenon was built on the Acropolis, or highest point of the city. Therefore, it could be seen from wherever you were in Athens. And conversely, one who hiked up to the Acropolis could overlook the entirety of Athens as well as the surrounding landscape. But the Parthenon is far from being the only ancient Greek temple built on a natural peak. Where the Parthenon overlooked the city of Athens, another great temple from the same golden age of Athens was the Temple of Poseidon at Union. This temple, built under the same project initiated by Athenian statesman, orator, and general Pericles, sits overlooking the sea at a height of almost 200 feet. According to the Encyclopedia of Ancient History, the temple held great spiritual significance to the ancient Greeks, in part due to their beliefs that the gods had the ability to manipulate nature, such as when Poseidon flooded the plains or conjured storms at sea. The temple at Cape Union was a sacred place where sailors and the general population could come to offer animal sacrifices as well as other gifts to appease Poseidon and find favor. Because of its location, the Temple of Poseidon was heavily protected by the Athenians during the Peloponnesian War with fortification walls and towers. The view from the temple's cliffs was also advantageous for identifying unwelcome ships and preparing a defense during these times of war. The location of the temple is also significant to Athenian sailors and warriors as Capes Union acted like a lighthouse, being the last point on their land that they could see when they sailed away into the Aegean or Mediterranean Sea 
and also the first landmark of Attica they would see from when they were returning from their journey or war. The sea was greatly important to the Athenian way of life, especially for trade and warfare. Therefore, it stands to reason that the Athenians would put a great deal of consideration into the design of the temple for Poseidon, god of the sea. While Ben, one instance of Athenian history for which the sea was of great importance was the Battle of Salamis when the Persians attacked Athens. When faced with imminent Persian invasion, the Athenians went to consult the oracle at Delphi. The temple at Delphi once again is an example of Greek temples built on ominous heights. At Delphi, the temple was built on the side of and overlooking particularly steep and beautiful cliffs. The oracle at Delphi, who was consulted in times of great peril, only spoke in riddles and it was since been discovered that the visions the oracle was said to have experienced before giving counsel may well have come from natural gas that leaked through the ground on which the temple was built, causing hallucinations. Whether through vision or hallucination, legend has it that the oracle was confronted about what to do in the face of imminent Persian invasion. She spoke this riddle, hide behind your wooden walls. This, after great consideration and thought by the Athenians, was interpreted to mean that they should fight the Persians aboard their ships in a sea battle. This they did in the Battle of Salamis, in which the Athenians eventually prevailed. After the battle, it is said that the Athenians brought an entire ship up to the Temple of Poseidon as a trophy. So it seems like, Ekaterina, places of height in the natural world held great spiritual significance to the people of ancient Greece. After reflecting on this, it seems to make more and more sense. Who hasn't felt some sort of spirituality after climbing a tall mountain and overlooking the surrounding natural world? Is it not common for religious pilgrimages to culminate in a peak or mountaintop? Some examples that come to mind are the statue of Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro, Moses climbing Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, or St. Ignatius of Loyola, climbing Montserrat to lay down his arms and dedicate his life to serving Christ. This notion even applies to our own retreat center, which we visited as a class. It too is a place of spirituality and is built on top of a particularly high hill overlooking the landscape. Those are great points, Ben. So in summary, ancient Greeks clearly had a strong connection with nature that manifested itself in the, the way in which they viewed and interacted with their gods. In particular, the Greeks felt a strong sense of spirituality in places of physical height within the natural world. Choosing to build uh, temples and other important structures on such peaks, this connection between heights and the spirituality has continued throughout history and survives even today. So although we no longer build marble temples to deities that govern natural phenomena, we as humans still feel that there is something about standing atop a tall hill or mountain that connects us spiritually to nature.